Good morning. I love missions. Um, missions has been a big part of my life. And one of the great things that I've enjoyed throughout the years were trips where I was able to go as a short-term missionary to another country. Um, when I was a youth pastor, I made seven trips to Mexico where I would take youth down to, to be able to impact the communities that we were going to. And part of what I loved about the mission trips was that period of time when we just crossed the border, especially when I had kids in the van who had never been out of the country, had never been on a mission trip before. And as we would cross um, the border, we would often drive through these neighborhoods and these areas where, where there was great poverty, where we were driving through these housing locations where there was cardboard just leaning up and pallets leaning up against each other to form houses for people. And the young people were seeing poverty they had never seen before. They were realizing that they were having to go through a border to be able to get back to their own country. They were in an area where they, the, their language wasn't the common language that was spoken. And so it was very, um, uh, they were out of their comfort zone. And part of what I loved about these trips is we love to be in control of what people see about us. And during that period of time, when we're out of our comfort zone, I realized something. And that is that what is inside of us will eventually come out of us. That we're, when we're in a stressful moment, that whatever's inside will start to boil up to the surface. And it was a great opportunity on those trips to be able to figure out what's really inside of us and to be able to deal with those things. In stressful situations, whatever's on the inside is going to boil up to the surface. And now for these last couple of months, our entire world has been living in a stressful situation. I thought about this tendency when COVID-19 um, really started to have restrictions impacting our world. And on April 9th, I texted a friend of mine and I said the following, my phrase for myself is don't waste April. This isn't a month to just survive and get through. It's a month to thrive and grow. I was pretty sure that over the next couple months, I was going to have the chance to experience whatever was on the inside of me boiling to the surface. And that all of us would have the opportunity to stand on that which we have built and to evaluate where we need to build. You know, we're going to be looking at a text today in Luke chapter 13, and I encourage you to turn there in your Bibles or to, to go there on your, your phone or your device where you have your Bible. Luke chapter 13, we're going to be in verses 1 through 9 today. And in the Gospel of Luke, at this period of time, Jesus has now started to make the long trip towards Jerusalem. And he knows he's going to Jerusalem so that he will be crucified and that he'll rise again. And that was the entire purpose of him coming to earth earth. And he's making this long, slow journey towards Jerusalem. And while he's doing so, he's teaching his disciples. While he's doing so, he's teaching people through teachable moments and other opportunities um, that come up along the way of what it really means to be a follower of his. 
And Luke chapter 13 starts with this verse. There were some present at that very time who told him, who told Jesus, about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No. I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them. Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No. I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. There were these stressful moments taking place in Jerusalem or in Israel at that time. Israel at that period of time of history was controlled by Rome. Rome was the world power of the day. And anything that Israel had permission to do was because Rome was allowing it. And the people of Israel would have absolutely hated that. And things were always at a tension point. Um, If anything happened, it would come right to the surface and cause problems. And so you had this situation that had just recently happened where people were going to the temple to worship God. And at that period of time, Jesus hadn't yet been crucified, so they were still living under a period of time where they were bringing their animal sacrifices with them to worship. And something happened where Pilate's troops had killed a bunch of Galileans. And remember, Jesus is from Galilee. And Pilate's troops had killed a bunch of Galileans and had mixed their blood with the blood of the sacrifices they had brought. And we're unsure of the incident and whether um, it was just that they had their sacrifices with them. And so the blood of the sacrifices and the blood of the Galileans were mixed there on the ground as they had been killed. Or whether Pilate actually intentionally mixed it together and brought that into the temple. But somehow this situation has happened and it's on the mind of everybody in Israel. It's all they're talking about at that period of time. It's a stressful thing that's happening. And there was another situation that had taken place at that time in the the town of Siloam. There was a tower that was being built and people were working on that. And something caused the tower to fall and a bunch of people who were working in there died. And so you have those stressful moments going on at that time. And during the midst of that stressful time, they have the opportunity to stand on that which we've built to evaluate where we need to build. Why do we have that opportunity? We have that opportunity, our first point for today, because stressful times take us out of our comfort zone. The impression of this text is that this is on everybody's mind. It's what everybody's talking about. Relationships with Rome, like I said, were always tense, but now you add to it dead bodies and a polluted temple. People were at work just trying to do an honest day's work and to build a tower and something happened and all these people who went to work that day weren't going home because a number of people had died. Early on during the COVID time, I saw this on the internet and loved this diagram as it describes where we normally like to be in our comfort zone, but then something happens. A stressful situation comes up and it pulls us out of our comfort zone. And the first zone we go through is the fear zone. We're out of our comfort zone. And it's uneasy. And before we get to the learning zone, before we get to the growth zone, we go to that fear zone. 
You know, years ago, Lisa and I were able to take a group of people to China uh, on a a short-term mission there, and we were working with an orphanage in China. And one thing that I realized that surprised me, I didn't see it coming when I was on that trip, is that I was easily frustrated. I was on edge throughout that trip. And there were things going on inside of me that I didn't realize. And that was bubbling up to the surface. And what was causing it to bubble up was just the stress of being in in another country. And and the stress of leading a trip like I was leading. And what it was doing is bringing those things up to the surface. And it's what so many of us are experiencing right now. Is that whatever's inside, it's boiling up to the surface. And we're seeing some things that maybe surprise us. See, we have an opportunity in stressful times to stand on that which we've built and to evaluate where we need to build. Why do we have that opportunity? Because there will always be another stressful time. Jesus was experiencing that with the the disciples and others who were around him as the tower had fallen, as Pilate had killed people and mixed their blood um, with the the sacrifices. And and you think, okay, we've gone through that, and after we get through this, things will be fine. But realize it's not much later that the crucifixion's happening. There's another stressful time coming. It's not too much further where the early church is going to face persecution. Even in our own country... We've gone through stressful time after stressful time after stressful time through our nation's history. You would have had the Civil War, um, but after the Civil War would have been World War I. And after World War I or during the time of World War I would have been the Spanish Plague. And then the Depression and World War II. In more modern times, we would have had Vietnam and 9-11 and COVID-19. The reality throughout history is that there's always another stressful time. There's always another COVID-19. It might have a different name at that point. It might be a totally different situation. But there's always another situation that's going to come. Very early after Lisa and myself and our family moved to Prescott, um, I, I was at work on a Monday and I was going to take my wife to lunch. And so we were leaving the, the, the church office um, where I worked and I went down some steps wrong and I broke my foot. Um, one of the reactions to breaking my foot was that I was on crutches for a while. And there's something that I realized while I was on crutches for that period of time is that I wasn't ready for a broken foot. And the reason I wasn't ready for a broken foot is I had more weight on me than I was comfortable having. I needed to lose weight. And part of the challenge throughout that time is I was realizing it was harder to be on crutches than it needed to be because of the extra weight that I was carrying around. One of the things that I was thinking while I was recovering from the broken foot is that next time I break my foot, I want to be lighter. I want to be better prepared for it. That's the opportunity that we have when we enter and come out of stressful times is that things rise up to the surface and it gives us the opportunity to say, will I be better prepared for the next stressful situation that comes? What wasn't I ready for and how can I prepare so that I'm better prepared for it in the future? Because stressful times allow us to evaluate, to stand on that which we've built, to evaluate where we need to build. Because our third point today, stressful times remind us of what's really important. 
You see, there's all sorts of things in a stressful time in a COVID-19 situation that we can lose. I'm a small business owner. It's possible that my business will be impacted by COVID-19. And nobody really knows the long-term economic impact of what's happening right now. I've tried to save for retirement, to save for my future, to put our family into a solid financial position. And that could be impacted by COVID-19. I have a family that I greatly enjoy. This is um, at Joshua's um, graduation as we're experiencing that in COVID-19 times that's taking place a, a week ago. And, and I absolutely love my family. I love my wife. I love my kids. And I realize that none of us knows how our body reacts to COVID-19. If I got it, I could die. There's things that can be lost in stressful situations. But there's also things that can never be taken away because there are worse things than dying. There's things that you can't take away. Things that no matter how stressful the situation is, can never be taken away from you. And part of the opportunity in a stressful time is that we get to, at that point, stand on those things that we've built into our lives to prepare for the situation, to prepare for the stress, and to evaluate where wasn't I ready to enter this time? Where do I need to focus in the future to be ready for the next stressful moment that comes? So what are some of those things, as I've made my own list of things that you can't take that away, things that can't be taken away? One of them is salvation. Salvation. In fact, that's Jesus' response when, when the tower fell and people died, when, when the blood of the Galileans was mixed with the blood of their, the, the sacrifices. That was the first part of Jesus' response. In Luke chapter 13, verse 5, he says, No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Jesus' response is that um, you need to be thinking about eternity. You need to be ready for what happens next. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of the opportunity that God gave for me to have a relationship with Jesus, I, I realize that my eternity is guaranteed. And I also realize that eternity and life in eternity is going to be better than life here today. You know, I agree with all that. I absolutely 100% agree that my eternity is guaranteed. I absolutely 100% agree that whatever eternity is going to be in the future, it's better than life now. But you know, I still want to enjoy life now, and I like my life. I want to see my kids thrive and grow. I enjoy my relationship with them. I want to experience more life with my wife. I enjoy my marriage. I enjoy opportunities uh, that I've had with, with this church to, to be involved in ministry like the boys and I going down to, to Mexico with one mission to help build houses with people who've earned that opportunity to be able to have a good solid house. 
I love those opportunities. And so there's times when I think, you know, you could die from this, uh, that, that, that panic starts to set in a little bit. And yet I have to keep reminding myself, my eternity's secure and my eternity is going to be better than whatever life is like right here now. And you know what? You can't take that away. Second thing I was thinking about that you can't take away, ongoing transformation. Ongoing transformation. In other words, when I became a Christian, my identity in Christ was changed forever at that point. And now, throughout the rest of my life, I have the opportunity to have my life transformed to become who my identity already is. Ongoing transformation. In fact, it's what Jesus talks about in this next section of the text. He says, he tells him a parable right away. He tells him a story to illustrate the point. And he says, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came seeking fruit on it and he found none. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now, I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, sir, let it alone this year also. I'll dig around it. I'll put on manure. Then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you could cut it down. And the point Jesus making in the parable is this, this, this person has a fig tree and there's no fruit on it. There's no fig. And he's finally saying, why should we have this fig tree if there's no fruit on it? What's the point of a fig tree without fruit? And the picture he's giving is what's the point of a Christian with no fruit? What's the point of a Christian if your life's not being transformed, if there's not ongoing transformation taking place? And it's incredible what God's done to make this happen, that he hasn't left us alone to figure it out, but, but the Holy Spirit comes to live within us, that we have God living within us to allow this ongoing transformation to take place. You know, that process of ongoing transformation involves a number of things for me. Um, one of it is worshiping with our church family. And whether we're worshiping in person at a place like where I'm standing right now in an empty room at, at the community college, or whether it's online watching from home, we absolutely cherish that opportunity to be able to worship together as a church family. I know that um, Pastor Jamie said a few weeks ago that... Um, it is hard for him to tell from here whether people, how people are responding as he's leading people and singing. And I know for our household, we're on our feet. We are singing because we absolutely love that opportunity to be worshiping together as a church family. Another part of that ongoing transformation for me is being part of a community group. And we've been in the same community group for probably close to a decade now. And the relationships have formed and the opportunity to come alongside each other and to love each other and to care for each other and to be in those kind of relationships has been absolutely um, vital for my own growth and transformation as a believer. The opportunity to be reading God's word and involved in prayer. And you know, as COVID-19 started, I, I had sort of set some goals at the beginning of year for my reading and I realized I was behind on my Bible reading so part of my goal was to catch up some but I was also thinking you know what if my goal is to read a certain amount of the Bible every day or to read the Bible seven days a week and I read the Bible five days in that week it's easy for the one side to look at that and to say you know what what a failure you missed out on two days the other way to look at it is wow 
You read for five days this week. You had that opportunity to be um, transformed by God's word in your life as you were reading for that period of time. And you know what? If, if you're not in the middle of a Bible reading program, realize this. You don't have to wait till January 1st to start reading the Bible. That at any time that we could be engaging in God's word and allowing that to transform us. And you know what? That, that time spent in there and involved in that ongoing transformation that takes place, you can't take that away. Another thing that I was just thinking about is a conviction. A conviction that God is always in control. And you know, I could have picked any attribute of God, any characteristic of God to put here, but this one has been so helpful for me throughout this period of time, that God has always been in control. You know, during this period of time, we've had a lot of change in our household. Our daughter, Jenna, is a student at University of Arizona. And when she came back for spring break, the idea was she was going to be at home for a week and then back to school. And then everything went online for her. And so she's been with us during this period of time. Uh, my son, Joshua, in his senior year, and, and that would have involved a lot more time with friends than he's been able to do during this period of time. And then the celebration and the excitement of graduations that we were anticipating would have taken place. Caleb's been a ninth grader at Trinity Christian and, and finishing up his ninth grade year. It's meant a lot more family time for us. For me, selfishly, there, there's been a lot of good with that. But I also know that it's probably not where they should really be. That for them, I really cherish for them that opportunity to be with their friends, to be in the communities and part of the world that God has designed them to be at right now. And what will really be tough for me is if in the fall, schools aren't going yet. If, if they're doing things on an online format, it won't be tough for me to have them in my house. For me, selfishly, that'll be awesome. But I want to see them thriving in the place where they're supposed to be in life. I want to see them where they should be. And part of that reminder that I have to keep coming back to is this conviction that God is always in control, even now. That God's not trying to figure out, how am I going to win this battle here? The battle's already been won. That was won at the cross. Satan's been defeated. God's in charge no matter what it looks like. God is in charge no matter how I would prefer things to be. And I keep coming back to this conviction that God is always in control. And you know what? You can't take that away. And then I started thinking some of time invested in other people, in friends, in family. And you know, there's nothing that can ever replace that time. This last couple of weeks has been emotional up and down for our family. Um, it was recently that we were remembering the one year anniversary of when Lisa's dad died. He died a year ago, May. And this picture is a special one for me, I was, and I'm hiking with him. And I think this might have been one of the last hikes he was able, ever able to go on. And I was thinking of the time that uh, we were able to spend together, whether hiking or barbecuing together, um, doing fix-it projects on our house, and all of these memories of 25-plus years of things that we were able to do together, of pouring into each other's life, of that relationship being formed. And then the day before we were remembering the one-year anniversary of his death, Lisa's grandfather died. Um, he was just a couple weeks short uh, of getting to 99 years. 
And I was thinking back some of the memories of my relationship with him. I was actually thinking back to when I graduated seminary. It was a master's degree I was receiving. And I had gone and I was in my gown and cap and, and fully ready to be going on the stage to graduate. And I realized that I was wearing casual shoes and they had warned us, they won't let you go on the stage if you have casual shoes on. And he was wearing dress shoes. And so we traded shoes. We, we wore the same shoe size and we traded shoes. And he was so excited that his shoes got a master's degree uh, on that day. And thinking back to all the memories. And you know what? Death has separated us for now. We'll be reunited in the future. But all those memories, all that time poured in together. You can't take that away. The time that's poured in with other people, family, and friends. And I was thinking about Fort Prescott and the world. And I was thinking of how exciting it is to, to be a part of a church that's seeking to impact our community. I was thinking of the four Prescott weeks when we have people throughout this entire community and schools and other places that are trying to pour in the love of Jesus Christ into our community. I was thinking of the times where with the boys, we've been down at one mission with trips um, with our church down to Mexico to build houses like I talked about early. I was thinking about because of your generous giving that, that we've had mission throughout the world that have new opportunities to impact their communities throughout this COVID-19 time and how we as a church have been able to write further checks and to send it to them so that they could be impacted in that way. You know, when Lisa and I are writing out the check to our church, we're thinking about all those things and we're thinking about that way we could pour into our community with our time, with our money. And you know what, that kind of an effort and the things that you do there, you can't take that away. Then I was thinking of one other area, love. Pouring out into other people in a loving response, love. You know, this is if you were saying, what's the one area you want to prepare for for the future for? Um, one area that I need to really focus on before the next crisis moment. This would probably be the one where I've seen things boil up in my life to the surface. And I've seen it at times. Uh, have you been on Facebook some throughout this period of time? And I've seen what people will write at times. And, I, and I'll uh, start to get frustrated and I can feel it boiling to the surface. And I'll be thinking as I'm reading what somebody wrote, um, what are you thinking there? Or I'll be going to the store and I'll be people seeing people's reactions and I'll feel that frustration boiling to the surface as I'm thinking, what are you thinking? Why would, why would you respond that way? And I was thinking of how I respond to people in love instead of frustration. And I was thinking back to a line um, that was said by Charles Yads and uh, Pastor Scott uses it a lot. It's a great line. Hurt people hurt people. And I was realizing that the people who are writing on Facebook and the people who are at the store, they're all going through this stressful situation too. And things that have been under the surface are coming up to the top, and it's a struggle. There are people that I'm interacting with who don't know what's going to happen to them after they die. They don't have a confidence of relationship with God. And so the, the, the thought that they might die is scary. That there's people who are afraid of the economy and what's happening to their business or what's happening to their financial accounts. And they're scared about that. And that's risen to the surface. That there's people who are 
not liking the government's responses and are scared about what the government's doing. And out of all those things, I'm not trying to, to balance that or try to figure that all out here today. Um, I just know there's a lot of people that are, are scared, a lot of people that are hurting. And as I seek to love people, the opportunity I have is to see that people are hurting and they're responding out of their hurt. And so when they don't respond the way that I would prefer them to respond, or they say things where I'm thinking, what in the world are you thinking with that? That that's an opportunity for me to love instead of an opportunity for me to be frustrated. And you know, as we love people, you can't take that away. Thinking of a few next steps for us as we move forward from this morning. One is I'd encourage you to make your own you can't take that away list. To make your own list, like my list that I created there, and maybe you'd have some things on there, maybe you'd have some different things, that it, it, no matter what the crisis is, there's a whole bunch of things we could lose, but here's some things that you can't take that away. And then after you've made that list, to maybe share that list with someone else. Maybe you'll share it with your community group this week or in the coming weeks. Or maybe a friend or family member, maybe as you're having a conversation sometime this coming week, to share that list with someone else. Maybe hear what's on their list if they have one done. And a third, to live that you can't take that away list. To start to step back and to say, okay... It's okay, I can get through this because even though there's these other events happening and there's things that I could lose through that process, I've got some things that you can't take away. Or maybe to start preparing for the next time we face a crisis. Maybe to keep this list and to be thinking of it months and, and, and years down the line of what are the things I wanted to do to prepare for the future. You know, as we entered the COVID-19 time, um, there were a lot of things that were canceled. There's a lot of things that haven't been happening. And there was a person, Jamie Tarkowski, that made a list of things that aren't being canceled. It's kind of his own list along these same lines. He said, conversations won't be canceled. Relationships will not be canceled. Love will not be canceled. Songs will not be canceled. Reading will not be canceled. Self-care will not be canceled. Hope will not be canceled. Then he says this, may we lean into the good stuff that remains. The things that you can't have taken away from you. And you know, some of you, if we've been talking, may have been thinking that I don't know what's going to happen to me after I die. I don't know uh, where I stand with God. And Jesus' whole point in heading to Jerusalem and whole point in coming to this world was to be able to offer you a free gift of salvation. And he died on the cross and he rose again to conquer death and he offers you a free gift of salvation, but he doesn't force you to take it. He gives it to you as a free gift and an opportunity to enter into a relationship with him. If you want to enter into that relationship with God today, I'm going to invite you to pray with me as we close this time today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for things that you've put into our life that can never be taken away. And I pray, Lord God, that we would stand on those things. That we would realize that the most important things in life can't be taken away. And if you at home today are realizing that 
you need to enter into a relationship with God today, that you desire that. Will you pray with me as I pray for you? Lord God, I need you. And I know that Jesus died on my behalf. And today, I accept that free gift of salvation. Today, I want to have a relationship with you. Lord God, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives today. We thank you for the opportunity to thrive in a moment like this as your children. We love you, God, in your holy name. Amen. You know, if you made that decision to accept Jesus Christ as Savior today, I encourage you to text Jesus to this phone number, 928-288-5490. There will be a pastor who will respond to you, who will talk with you a little bit through that text message um, to be able to um, celebrate with you and to help you as you think about your next steps in life. And you know what? If you weren't ready for that and you have some questions, text that number. Ask those questions. They would love to be able to interact with you today.